Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome again to our service. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Hope you got treated a little bit even this morning or, or even throughout the day and, and may you be blessed. I think uh, this morning, uh, my, my gift to some of the mothers and, and some of the wives this morning is, is that I'll, I'll get a chance to speak to or maybe speak at your, your husbands because today again, we are going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about marriage. And, and uh, last week, the, the focus was on wives within marriage. And this week, the focus is on husbands within marriage. And, and just to reflect a, a little bit for you of, of our own marriage, my, myself and Luana, we got married at, a, at, at quite a young age. Uh, I was turning 21 and she was turning 22. And we didn't really have too much of a clue of what we were doing, but we knew we wanted to get married and commit our lives to each other. And, and so what we decided to do before we got married is kind of fi find out how is all this stuff going to work. So what we did was we did um, some pre-marriage counseling with friends of ours, and it was just so good and, and so fruitful to hear from other experienced people, how does this marriage thing work? And I remember they assigned for us... Um, this kind of homework that we had to do. So we had to go away and, and fill out kind of, it was like a personality test or something like that, just so they could find out and we could find out the, the differences and, and commonalities between me and Luana. And I'll never forget the day when um, our friends uh, brought the graph to us to show us uh, what we were like. There was literally a graph to show us what we were like in terms of our personalities and, and who we were. And essentially what our graph looked like was where I was low, Luana was high in the graph. And when Luana was low in the graph, I was high in the graph. And our graph kind of looked like this. Um, <laughs> and we realized uh, the moment we saw it, we realized, man, we have some work to do because um, we are very, we're very different uh, then and still are in some ways different now. The one thing we did have in common was Jesus. And what we've figured out in our marriage is that it's actually worked really, really well because where I am weak, she is strong. And where she is weak, I am strong. And, and the Lord has, has knit us together in that way. But the day we saw that graph was the day we knew we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> We're going to have to figure out how we are going to live together. And that is what Peter is talking about to both the wife and the husband. Now that you've become a Christian, now that you've trusted in Jesus and Jesus is your savior, you need to know how you're going to live in all these different relationships in life. And probably the closest relationship you have is the marriage relationship. And you need to figure out how are you going to make this work now that Christ is your savior? How are you going to live with your spouse? And so what I want to address this morning as we come into this verse is one thing that's really important as we're listening to a passage like this. I want to point out to you just just one thing as we look at these verses. I want you to see. In 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7, but I want you to see two things. In 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1, it begins by saying, likewise wives. 
And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it begins by saying, likewise, husbands. Now, that's really important. In, in verse 1, it says wives. And in verse 7, it says husbands. That is really important. Here's why. The instructions that are given are instructions that are given to wives and given to husbands. That means the wife is supposed to listen to the wife's instructions. And the husband is supposed to listen to the husband's instructions. And here's why I say that. Sometimes I think we listen to these passages wrong. Sometimes it is the husband who listens to the wife's instructions and figures out, well, she's not really doing that and she should be. And then also what happens is, is the wife listens to the husband's instructions and she starts saying, oh, well, he's not really doing that and he should be. These instructions, the wives are for the wife and the husbands are for the husbands. And what this means when we're looking at this last week about submitting to the husband's leadership, what this means is that the husband is never to look at that command for the wife. And demand that type of submission. In fact, that instruction is given to wives and they are to decide whether they are going to follow after the Lord's instructions voluntarily or not. And so that is so important because sometimes we listen to the scriptures in a wrong way. We listen to the scriptures as if it is speaking to someone else and not speaking to us. We need to avoid that this morning. And that doesn't mean that this passage isn't for those who aren't a husband or a wife right now. In fact, it is so important for the church to know what a husband-wife marriage is to look like. So that our children can learn in in a world where marriage is so maligned. That our children and we can be a bright shining light in society as to what marriage should be. So let us not listen to these scriptures this morning and say, I hope she's listening. I hope he's listening. The question is, are you listening to what the spirit would say to you? And so last week, there was three things that the wife was to remember. The wife was to remember her ultimate goal, her true beauty, and her final hope. And I think in in this verse, there are three things that the husband is to remember. The husband is to remember that he is to live with his wife in an understanding way, live with his wife in an honoring way, and live with his wife in a respectful way. And I think we'll see those three things In this verse this morning. So let me read the verse to you. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7. It says this. Likewise husbands. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. So that your prayers may not be hindered. The first thing I think the husbands are to remember, according to this verse, is husbands, you are to live with your wife in an understanding way. What Peter is saying in first century Greco-Roman world, what Peter is saying into that world is something that is very, very radical. It is very, very radical. Why? 
Because the husband did not have to live with his wife in any way that understood her. In fact, the husband could oppress her and abuse her and do whatever he wanted with her in those days. Because the woman in those days didn't have right to her, didn't have any rights, which means she didn't have any rights to her own opinion or her own religion. She just had to follow in a robotic way her husband. And if he didn't like her or didn't like it, he could cast her aside. He didn't have to keep her. And so what Peter is saying is this. Now that you have become a Christian husband, put your faith and trust in Jesus. You need to make sure, husband, that you are living with your wife in an understanding way. What Peter is saying is, I don't care what the culture around you is doing. I don't care how the culture around you is treating their wife. What you are called to is to live with her. In an understanding way that knows her and sees her for who she truly is, made in the image of God. Now, how is the husband to live with her in an understanding way? What is he to understand about his wife? What is he to know about his wife? Well, it seems clear in this passage, he is to live in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Here is what he is to understand about his wife. That she is the weaker vessel. (laughs) Now, I smile at that because as we read this verse, I mean, I've read it many times. And I'm sure some of you have. And maybe this morning, for some of you, it is your first time hearing this verse. And and what happens to us, I think, is as we read a verse like that, is we presume our meaning upon it. We presume straight away, right off the bat, that we know what Peter is talking about. He's calling wives the weaker vessel. And sometimes what happens when we read our Bible is we read it and presume our own interpretation or meaning upon it. And then we carry on. Yes, husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way as a weaker vessel. And we think we know what that means. But we need to pause a second and ask, well, what does that mean? Because a lot of questions come to our mind at this point. And so we we, we begin to ask some of these questions. The first would be this. Can it be that when he's talking about weaker vessel, does Peter mean that the wife is intellectually weaker? Is that what he means by that? And I would say absolutely not. It is not that he means that the wife is intellectually weaker because that's just not the case. I mean, I found out at a very young age when I was in primary school, there's only one smart gender in this room and it is not the boys. It was the girls. And so we find out that it is not in any way, in any way, talking about intellectual weakness. Well, then you could ask the question, well, is he, maybe he's not talking about intellectual weakness, but is, is he talking about moral weakness? Is that what he's saying? Or are they not intellectually weak, but maybe he's talking about them being morally weak. And again, you, you look at the passage and you think it, it's probably not that either. Because in the Bible it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody is in this. No matter what your gender this morning, you are morally weak, all of us. 
sinners in the eyes of God. In fact, if you were to turn on the news, it probably isn't the women who steal the headlines, but more likely the men most often. So it is not morally weaker. And then you say to yourself, well, well, could it be that he is meaning that they are spiritually weaker? So that the husband is to live with an understanding way, knowing that his wife is maybe spiritually weaker and help her in her spiritual life. Well, I actually don't believe that's the case either. Because as you look at the church, oftentimes you see that it, it is women that are more spiritually mature than men. So I don't think that's it. And then some people kind of stereotypically reading this passage, look at it very quickly and say, well, if it's not intellectually weaker, if it's not morally weaker, if it's not spiritually weaker, maybe it's emotionally weaker. Maybe that's what Peter means, that they are emotionally weaker. And, and some even women would, would suggest that that would be the case, that we are just emotionally weaker. But I'm not sure if you can say that across the board. I think sometimes it is more less to do with gender and more to do with personality in relation to emotions and nationality in relation to emotions and maybe not so much gender. But even if you could make the case that it is talking about emotionally weaker or that that maybe in some way women are emotionally weaker, even if you could make the case that that is it. I think what we need to realize is that showing our emotions, I wouldn't call actually a weakness. I would call it in many ways a strength. If you were to take two people and, and, and look, at, look at their lives and, and one is more in tune with their emotions and one holds back their emotions, who would you say is stronger? The one who leaves their emotions out or the one who conserves their emotions? I would actually say the one who leaves their emotions out is probably stronger than those who withhold their emotions. That may be actually a true sign of weakness and insecurity. And so if it's not talking about intellectually weaker or morally weaker or spiritually weaker or emotionally weaker, and you need to ask these kind of questions, what does the weaker vessel mean? Well, vessel, oftentimes in scripture, talks about the body or us being like instruments. And, and men, they're called vessels in scripture, in, in Acts and Romans, you, you hear men referred to as vessels and it seems to be talking about the body or it seems to be talking about them being instruments in God's use. And so this idea of vessel is referring to, I think, the body. And so while you might be able to say that men have weak bodies, it's talking here about women having weaker bodies. So it is saying to husbands, husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way, knowing that she is physically the weaker vessel. Now, let's get one thing straight for a second. If, if I was to get on some boxing gloves right now, OK, just, just stick with me for a second. If I was to get on some boxing gloves and I was to walk into the ring and it was Shane Dean in one corner and, and Katie Taylor in another corner, uh, both all of us know. There's only one winner coming out of that fight, right? There's only one winner. We know that. So it's not saying that the women aren't strong. There's only one winner. But comparatively speaking, 
If you were to get a male in there of her weight class and, and her, um, yeah, her weight class, and they were to get into the ring and they were to go at it, there would be only one winner, right? And so we know this is true in sport. We do this in sport. We recognize that one is physically stronger than the other. Now, nowadays, we don't like to say it, but by dividing people out in that way, that's what we're recognizing. And again, if I was to get a tennis racket, you know, stroll up to the court and Shane on one side of the court and, 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 and Serena Williams on the other side of the court, there's only one winner there in terms of strength of serve. Yet comparatively speaking, if Roger Federer was to get onto the court, there's only one person coming off as winner there, right? And so we recognize that in, in sport and in life that there is one who is the weaker vessel, vessel physically. And so that is what he is saying to husbands. Husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way. Knowing that she is weaker than you, physically. Remember that. Don't forget that, husbands. And what I think that means for the husband practically, practically is this. Two things. First, the husband is called to protect his wife. The husband is called as the stronger vessel to protect his wife. That is so important. In that day and age, in first century Greco-Roman world, that is so important that he would seek not to cast his wife away if she doesn't believe what he believes or doesn't stand for what he stands for. No, he's to live with her in an understanding way, seeking to protect her. And I think practically what that means for us as husbands is to ensure that our homes are a safe place. Practically speaking, we are to be those who are protecting all those under our care in the home. And that goes with wherever you go, wherever you travel, you, your job as the husband is to be the protector of your wife. And that is a way you can live in an understanding way of her. That's what it means positively. But also what it means negatively for us in application is that we're not only to protect our wife, but we as husbands are called not to harm our wives. We are to live with her in an understanding way, not harming her. Not harming her verbally, not harming her psychologically, and not harming her physically. We are called to protect our wives. And again, back in that day, no one would have questioned what you could have done with your wife in that way. It was perfectly fine and acceptable to do that in some instances. But today we need to remember that, husbands. We protect our wives and we do not harm them. And in this culture and today and in lockdown right now, domestic abuse is ever increasing. Christian husbands are called to be the light in the darkness in this way. Protecting and caring for our, husband, for our wives. 
So husbands, to live with your wife in an understanding way means to live with your wife protecting her and not harming her. The second thing husbands are to remember, I think, in this verse is that they are to live not only with their wives in an understanding way, but with their wives in an honouring way. And I want us just to briefly, much more briefly, look at this point. Even though it's not the main thing in the verse, I think it is there and worthy for us to consider. Husbands, live with your wives in an honouring way. Look at what it says, verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honour to the woman as the weaker vessel. This is what the husband is to do. Show his wife honor. In other words, you could translate this as showing his wife esteem. Showing his wife, as it were, in some way reverence. In fact, earlier in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it talks about Jesus being the chosen and precious one. That word precious is also spoken of the wife here in terms of honoring her. You honor her as precious to you. And sometimes as husbands, I think our problem is this. And I include all husbands in this. Sometimes we honor our objects more than we do our wives. Sometimes, husbands, we honor our toys more than we do our wives. Have you ever seen a husband outside of the house cleaning his car? Have you ever seen that? <laughs> Hopefully I'm not picking on anyone. I don't really, really know uh, who does this or who doesn't. But have you ever seen that? And, and this is just one example of many. You know, cleaning and polishing the car and, and doing all, making sure all the details are all good and all of that. What the husband is doing is honoring this object as, as precious and showing it esteem and, and showing it reverence. Meanwhile, the husband, the wife is probably in the house looking on and saying, what an age. <laughs> Husbands, we need to stop polishing our cars and start honoring our wives. as chosen and precious before God. Do you remember the vow you made? For better, for worse, in sickness and in health. Until death do us part, we are called to honor our wives. I remember my uncle, I call him my uncle, he's not really um, my uncle, um, and I call her, called her my aunt. Um, when my aunt, he was a farmer and a lovely, lovely man. And when my aunt got sick, I noticed how he cared for her. She truly was the weaker vessel. And he cared for her right up until the moment that death did them part. Husbands, that is our job. Until death does us part. To honor our wives. Remember that. And the last thing I think we need to remember as husbands is not only to live with our wives in an understanding way and in an honoring way, 
But we as husbands are called to live with our wives in a respectful way. Listen to what it says in verse 7 again. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Listen to this. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. (laughs) Now, if anybody thinks for a moment, for a moment, that Peter is speaking women down in this passage. Oh, you are so utterly wrong. Because what he is saying here to the husband is you are to remember that she is an heir with you, a co-heir with you of the grace of life, of eternal life. In a society where women didn't have rights What Peter is saying here is she has all the rights that you have as a Christian. All the blessings that are yours are hers. Husbands need to remember that their wives are co-heirs and wives and, and women. You need to remember this too. You are heirs of eternal life. And what does that mean? For everybody this morning, this is for all of us this morning, who have put their faith and placed their trust in Jesus as Savior, what that means is you are heirs to the grace of life. And what does that picture give us? Well, well, here is the picture. Imagine you walk into the lawyer's office or the solicitor's office. And, and the lawyer, the solicitor, he comes down and he, he sits down in front of you and he, he takes out a paper, a piece of paper, and he smiles and you ask him the question, well, what is my inheritance? What, what, what do I get? What's, what's the inheritance? What's, what's the verdict? And he smiles and he looks down at the sheet and he says to you, oh my goodness. I have never, ever seen anything like this inheritance before. Nothing like this inheritance has come by my desk before. Look at this. Forgiveness, it's yours. Redemption, it's yours. Holiness, it's yours. Blameless, you are going to be blameless for all eternity. That's yours. Sanctification, it's yours. Christ's righteousness, yours perfectly for all of eternity. All of this, it's yours. Your reconciliation, it's yours. Adoption, it's yours. Eternal life, it's, it's yours. The new heavens and the new earth. You get all of that. All of that is yours. You're an heir. I've never seen anything like that. You say, wow. Do I really get all that? He says, don't look, there's more. There's actually more. In the new heavens and new earth, you will have no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more sin. All of that is is yours. Oh, and yes, there's one more thing. (laughs) One more thing. You get Christ for eternity. He's yours. That's phenomenal, isn't it? You are an heir. 
what it means to be an heir is you get all the blessings that are in Christ Jesus. But it also means more than that. It means one more thing. Not only do you get all blessings from Christ Jesus, what it means is this. You reign for eternity with Christ Jesus. You reign with him. And what that means kind of blows our minds. It's hard to even conceive or fathom that I would reign with Christ for eternity. But what I want to do is just read for you this one verse. Write it down if you have a pen. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. Listen to this. It's phenomenal. The Spirit himself. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That we are children of God. The Holy Spirit tells you every single day. The Holy Spirit tells you, bears witness, that you are children of God. And then verse 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. (laughs) What that means is you are a fellow heir with Christ, you reign with Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. All of that is yours. And that is what it means to be an heir. And wife and women, never let anyone let you forget that. That's your inheritance. And the husband in this verse is called to always remember that. That if his wife has believed and trusted in Christ, that means Christ was born into this world for her. He lived the sinless life for her. He died the perfect death in her place. He was buried for her. He rose again on the third day for her. He ascended and seated at the right hand of the throne of God for her. And he is coming back again for her. Therefore, husband, live with her in an understanding way and in an honoring way and a respectful way because she is a co-heir with you. Always protect her and never harm her. She is the Lord's. She's precious. That's the call for the husband. And he finishes this verse with one sobering phrase. It is this. So that your prayers may not be hindered. It could be talking about their prayers corporately, husbands and wives. But I think it is focusing in more on the husband. And what this means is quite incredible. It's so sobering for me this week. And for you husbands as well. So, so sobering to think How I treat my wife in this world 
has an impact on my communication with God. So that if I am not protecting my wife and understanding my wife and honoring my wife, respecting my wife, my prayers are just going to bounce off the walls. Sobering. God's saying to you this morning, it's going to affect how you talk with me and it's going to affect how I listen to you. Treat your wife with understanding. Treat her with honour. And treat her with respect. We are going to finish by singing together a song of praise to the Lord at this time. And I would call on you husbands and wives and those who are not even married. Would you pray for the marriages in our church? Would you pray for the marriages in this land on lockdown? Would you pray that the Lord would help us in our roles? We're going to have a time of reflection after this. Please do share and uh, maybe verses or, or things of encouragement, maybe responses to what it means that we're heirs or whatever else you want to say. Please do take the time uh, to reflect and we'll have that uh, time now. But let us sing our song of praise together now.